Okay, wonderful. Well, for Hull, Ghoul, and Driffield, I've got a little bit of a word for you that I want to share with you. In Psalm 42, if you've got a Bible, turn there. And um, one of my favorite verses, even if you don't get to it by the time I start, you'll recognize it, I think. And you'll recognize it as one of my favorites. Deep calls to deep. You know it already, don't you? Like, yeah. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. This is a man talking to God. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. God is not mere theory. He has the capacity to fill a room like a waterfall or fill a room like a wave. We've been with Tommy Tenney this week. Anybody managed to make any of the Tommy Tenney meetings? We had a good time with Tommy. And I was talking about some of the moves of God that he's been in. And we all know that God is everywhere all the time. But then we also know that he seems to turn up in special ways at special times. And then we were talking about a time when God came into a church where he was ministering. And literally people were crawling under the seats, holding onto the seats. The piano player crawled under the piano. It was a grand piano not one of those crawled under the piano and he was he was under there going oh god oh god oh god he said you know in the book of Isaiah chapter 6 when it says that the train of God's robe filled the temple when I was a kid I always imagined a locomotive going into a temple I didn't quite get it but it, it means it means his robe the train of his robe went into the temple and Tommy used this phrase he says like God has the ability to come into a room and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and get thicker and thicker and more powerful and more powerful. I love this verse. It, 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 it's rich with, with feeling, isn't it? Deep things, not just the, the, the fluffy end of Christianity, a bit of moral code and Jesus loves you, but God is deep and cries out to something deep in us. And it talks about the roar of God's waterfalls. Acts chapter two, we hear a roar as something from heaven fell into a room and these people were transformed by something of an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. I believe passionately and powerfully in outpourings of the Holy Spirit and we've seen so many of these, haven't we, in our history. God moving to the point where people feel overwhelmed by the sheer presence of God in a room as they have done in biblical times. And as I've charted through our history of God pouring out his spirit and God coming into a room but then even more powerfully coming into into a room and even people that don't yet know Jesus saying God is in this place. Sometimes people that don't even know Jesus or have never been to church fall to their knees and say I can feel, I can sense that God is in this place. As I chart some of those times when God moves in that way, we started with a song saying come on God let it move, we need a move, something like that wasn't it? As I chart some of those moves of God and go back through history. You'll, you'll notice several things happen when God moves in that way. Number one, people are transformed by the presence of God. People aren't transformed by religion. As good as our songs are, it won't, they won't transform them. As good as my preaching is, right, it won't transform you. Even that good song you did in the middle there, Lamia, very good song. Did you notice? We haven't sung it for ages. Well done. Royalties. Hallelujah. You know, even the good songs don't really transform us the moment. Now, God might ride on a preach or ride on a song, but what you need is to meet God. And when you meet God and you go, okay, this isn't theory now. These aren't just a few people finding a crutch to get through life. It's like God, the Apostle Paul used this phrase at one point, God came and stood next to me. Yeah. And you go, oh, okay. And I've had a few moments in my life where I go, okay, God, you're so often quietly behind the scenes. And then there are, there are times when you step into my life and I know God is God. 
not just theory or a code. And so when the presence of God rolls into our lives, who's had that experience? It transforms us. It's, it's something burns on the inside of us, like those disciples that walked along the road with Jesus after his res- resurrection. And they're talking to Jesus and don't even recognize him, and, but finally do. And then they say to themselves, weren't our hearts burning within us while he spoke? Maybe some of you, our hearts are burning here in the presence of God this morning. Something supernatural going on that transforms us. And then presence often moves to where you begin to see in a community healings and miracles. And we've seen many of those. And many of you in this room have experienced God's healing power. In fact, if you've ever been healed, big or small, put your hand in the air right now and look around the room. These people have experienced healing from the presence of Jesus. Isn't that remarkable? That's what happens when God is in a place and and people begin to pray in the name of Jesus and lives begin to experience healing. Then the third thing that happens is that people begin to be saved. I remember in one move of God, shall I put it that way, in 2011 to 2013, Chris, who's not here, must be in one of the locations today, Chris said to me that the youth were going on the streets and they stopped counting the amount of people that gave their lives to Jesus at 150 because they knew they were becoming inaccurate. People start to give their lives to Jesus when they sense this is no religious code. God is real and God transforms lives. But I've, I've spotted something. Have I got my PowerPoint, Sam? Thank you. I've spotted something as we um, continue to walk with God and in my experience of walking with God, that, that a fourth thing that God is doing, not just the transformation of his presence, not just healings and miracles and prophetic things going on, not just lives saved, but God is up to something. And sometimes I, I almost feel like some days we look at the waves and we miss the tide. There's something often more subtle but far more powerful that God is doing. And I just want us to hone in on that for a little bit today. Is that okay? uh, Jesus mentions church twice in the Gospels. Is that amazing? But the thing I'm going to talk about today, he mentions 120 times. We, we often think when God is at work, very often we think church, don't we? Church buildings, praise God for church buildings, right? We, we think church buildings and different projects and communities of people. And, and sometimes I think that Christians think that what God really wants to do is, is land a load of castles somewhere in a nation and have little purity castles called the church. And we will defend the truth till Jesus comes. Um, and there's, there's, there's a tiny bit of truth in that, I suppose. That there really is. But... At a proportion of two to 120, Jesus spoke of something far more often, something that is really on his heart. What does God want to do in our region, city, nation, and the world? And the thing that Jesus spoke of 120 times in the Gospels is the kingdom of God coming. And so to Jesus, this was far more important than just building his church. I believe he's got no problem with building church. Uh, sometimes perhaps we put a little bit too much effort into it when we should take more note of, well, what does kingdom come mean? Because Jesus didn't come preaching, fill the churches. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God coming to earth. And something that I've noticed as we've, as we've taken our journey as a church that we've had outpourings and healings and salvations and lovely things go on and all of those are right and should continue. But the outpouring of the Holy Spirit ultimately leads to kingdom come to God beginning to move. Now, the kingdom of God is God's royal power, his reign, the weight of his culture 
um, beginning to touch an area and rest. His values and his power coming to influence and shape a place. A man I know, an Assemblies of God minister in an Asian nation. And he, he, he struggled to preach, a, to, to build a, a large church for many years. And then one day, and I can't remember the circumstances of how it happened, but he happened to be preaching. And God told him very clearly, I want you to preach on corruption this morning. Uh, and this was like Saturday night, so he was like, oh, oh okay. So he, he prepares his message and he, he stands up to preach on corruption and then notices that the chief of police in this very corrupt nation is sat on the third row in his tiny church. So he's like, what do I do? This could get me thrown out of the country because I'm an English guy, I'm a missionary. But he goes for it and he preaches anyway. And uh, he, he goes for it, preaches about corruption and the policeman leaves the meeting just before the end and he's thinking, how did that go? Now I'm expecting a call, do you know what I mean? And a bit of a complaint that I, I sat and tormented him through the service. And he got a call a couple of days later and this police chief said, I'd like to see you. And he's thinking, oh, this is it, this is it. This is my, this is my visa gone, I'm, I'm gonna be chucked out of the country. So would you come and meet me? And he, he met the chief of police in a little cafe somewhere and they began to speak and he said, uh, I am a corrupt man and I've done many corrupt things, but I need this Jesus that you speak of. And there in the little restaurant cafe, knelt down next to the table and gave his life to Jesus and was transformed. And then a few days later, he says, would you come and meet me again? So the pastor goes and meets this chief of police again. And he sat there with a big, big bag on the table and says, well, yes, can I help you? Well, Jesus is just transforming my life. Yes, that's, that's, that's wonderful. I've got the equivalent of a million US dollars in this bag here. They've come from corrupt means. I want you to have it. <laughs> and he says, no, 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 you must have it. No, no, you must have it. You must. And in the end, they worked out, let's give it to the poor. And they did. And by a series of events that I won't go into, essentially this, this Assemblies of God pastor ends up in a place of influence in his nation, not just with the chief of police, but with the government. And in the end, the president of this nation that is going through a transformation declares this Assemblies of God minister to be our minister of righteousness in this very corrupt nation, helping them rewrite their constitution. You see, that is kingdom come. That is where God's saying, I don't just want to build little castles of purity in the world that we shout truth from. I want my kingdom to come in the earth. The purpose of God is that the kingdom of God would come and land in Hull, yeah. right? In Driffield, yeah. in Goole. Yeah. Come on, say amen even louder for their sake. Oh, yeah. Come on, that the kingdom of God would come to East Yorkshire yeah. and it would feel like a little bit of heaven to live here. That's what Jesus preached. And of course, the church is a part of that, but actually smaller than you'd imagine. Perhaps because we focus so much on church, we begin to think that the best jobs in anything to do with Christianity is to be a pastor or a youth leader or a worship leader, but that's not how Jesus taught it. Every single one of you have a powerful remit from God that is as spiritual as my job. What I do on a Thursday morning preparing to speak to you is not more spiritual than what you did this Thursday morning. The kingdom of God wants to come through your life. And if anything, I'm just a supporter. I'm the football coach. You guys are the players. And I want to talk about what God wants to do in the earth. Is that all right? Now, Jesus gives us some wonderful pictures of the kingdom. Let's see if we can look at some of them. He says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. 
Let me read this one for you. Matthew 13. If you're thinking, you've got one of those, okay, I've got a whole Bible. What shall I read this week? Study Matthew 13. It's got so many pictures of the kingdom of God. And ask God, so God, how can my life respond to this? Matthew 13 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds. Everybody say smallest. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants because mustard can actually become a little tree and becomes a tree so large that the birds come and perch in its branches. The kingdom of God is like a large garden tree. Listen to this one, if it'll move. Like yeast, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, which is the smallest ingredient in bread that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. So, so yeast is tiny, but has a massive effect on the dough. It's like a net. Look at this one. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds. Everybody say all kinds. All kinds of fish. When it was full, everybody say full. I just punctuate because then it's going to help me share what I'm going to share in a moment. The fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and they collected the good fish in baskets but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. This is how Jesus teaches it, right? These, these words should be in red, not white, but it won't work for the PowerPoint. So these are red words. These are important words. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous when at the end of the age, everything that was in the net, you're going to find good and bad. And we'll throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I was reading through all the words in red in the Gospels the last week, uh, last 10 days actually. Uh, Jesus preached quite a lot about weeping and gnashing of teeth. I, I, I've got a feeling that if we did a conference called weeping and gnashing, we wouldn't get many people to it. Do you know what I mean? In other words, not very fashionable. But this is the kind of stuff that Jesus was preaching. In other words, there, there is a consequence to how we approach God and his kingdom. And let's do, do, I think, the last one. It's like a field, and this one's fascinating. Then we're going to string all of these together and make a point for you this morning. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also disappeared. Uh, sorry, also appeared. And they go on to say, should we pull the weeds out? And Jesus says, no, no, no. Or the farmer says, no, leave the weeds. Let it all grow together. Otherwise, otherwise you're going to pull up the good with the bad. And this is how he, he then goes on to explain it. As the weeds at the end of the age were pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. I just find that underlined phrase fascinating. They will weed out of his kingdom. Now, I don't know about your thinking, but I, I'd never really thought about it too much. But you kind of presume that everyone that's in the church is in the kingdom and everyone that's in the kingdom is in the church. But according to this, there will come a point when Jesus pulls out of his kingdom all those who don't know him, don't want him, will not live for him. In other words, there will be many who are in the kingdom who are not saved, have not given their life to Jesus. Because the kingdom of God, work with me in these pictures now, is like a large tree that everyone can come and land in, saved and unsaved, good and evil. The kingdom of God is like a large net let down that you will find both good and evil in. Imagine a net falling over all of Ghoul right now. That's what God wants to do with his kingdom. 
I don't want a little castle of truth on Mariner Street. I don't just want a small castle of truth in a community centre in Driffield or in a building in a school in Hull. What I want to do, God says, is lay down a net to catch all of Hull and East Yorkshire, to bless all of Hull and East Yorkshire. So people are subjects of the kingdom before they even know there's a kingdom. They're subjects of the kingdom and blessed by the principles of the kingdom even before their hearts are warmed and saved by Jesus. In other words, we are here to touch a region with the power and presence and the kingdom of God even before people are saved. Imagine your street, a net falling called the kingdom of God that begins to transform everything. Imagine the place where you work, the shop where you work, the school where you study, a net of the kingdom of heaven falling on it and transforming it. That's what Jesus said we're supposed to be doing. Bringing a net that lays over a whole community, a whole region, bringing transformation to people. These are the pictures of the kingdom of God. And from that, you can see there's three things. Here's three points about the kingdom. Then we're going to tell some stories, okay? Here's the first one. The kingdom is not the church. They're not the same thing. God wants his kingdom to come to the whole world. Come on, join Jonathan, say wow. In other words, uh, pastors don't pastor a church, pastor a city. When you walk into that school where you study tomorrow, walk in saying God wants to bring his kingdom here. When you go into that BBC studio, walk in going, so how can God's kingdom come to this BBC studio? When you walk up to your neighbours, say, how can the kingdom of God come to my street? When you walk into that office, you are there to bring the kingdom of God. The kingdom is about the whole world, not just churches. And we are here to bring the kingdom, the reign, the rule, the power of God to a region. It's something that happens to the whole world so that even everybody caught in the net of the kingdom. Here's, here's how it is sometimes. We think, let's build a castle of purity and anything that's impure, let's keep it out. I think that's how some Christians think. This is how Jesus is thinking. Why don't you cast a really big net that catches everyone and then let the angels sort it all out at the end of the age? That's what he taught. You don't need to sort it out. You don't need to play judge. At the end of the age, Jesus said repeatedly, Angels will sort out the good from the bad. Your job is to bring the kingdom of God to your workplace and your street and your family and government and media and education and medicine. You bring the kingdom of God and let me sort out good, bad church or not at the end of the age. Wow, what would it be like if instead of going and judging everybody, we went out and said, here, feel and sense and enjoy the benefits of the kingdom of God. A government that begins to feel heavenly that would be divine especially in the current age a school that begins to feel heavenly a workplace that begins to feel heavenly the kingdom is for the whole world our job and this should be a much bigger headline than build church according to Jesus is this every single one of you proclaim the kingdom to the whole world and bring the reign, the rule, the values, the love, the mercy, the grace, the kindness of heaven, wherever you are, bring the kingdom of God so that people feel what it's like to be in the kingdom. In a fatherless generation, in an abused generation, in a confused generation, to feel the clarity of the kingdom and the love of the kingdom and the grace of God. What would that do even just to our region? 
if people said this workplace is transformed and it's changed since you got here. We're thinking different, acting different, behaving different. What is it? Well, there's a little bit of yeast that's working through the whole dough. And yeast is the tiniest of ingredients, but it creates the biggest change in bread. And, and, and that's, one of the, that's the second point. The kingdom is hard to spot. That's why even this morning as I preach, and I knew it would happen, some of you look at me a little bit, hmm, how, so what do I do with this? Because, listen, it says, it's the smallest seed that becomes the biggest tree. It's like yeast, virtually invisible, but will have a massive effect, so you could underestimate the power of this message. But like I say, Jesus preached this 120 times, and church twice. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? It's like a treasure, another parable says, hidden in a field. You actually got to go look for it. It's like a pearl that pearl hunters go and find. That's what the kingdom of God is like. So it's not obvious. It's not easy. And even in a room like this, how long have we been listening to God? And then you begin to go, okay, let's just bring the kingdom. And some of us will go, hmm, I haven't really thought about that one. I thought we were going to church, singing songs, preaching sermons and getting people saved. Yeah, all of that. But Jesus actually said, go bring my kingdom to the whole world, to the quadrant. Come on, Ian and Lynn. Bring my kingdom to the government, Rob. Bring my kingdom to a shop, Leighton, if you're in here. Bring my kingdom to a classroom, wherever you are. Maybe a whole school if you've got influence. Bring the kingdom to an office. That's what Jesus told us to do, to proclaim his kingdom and change the very atmosphere of a place. But it's so subtle. They won't recognize it. Don't worry about that. Because we think if we don't behave in a way that makes people ask us within two days, ah, is it because you are a Christian? And then you have to go, yes, it's because Jesus died on a tree for me to save me eternally. (laughs) No, 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 no. I know, I know it rhymes. I'm a songwriter. What can I say? (laughs) The truth is Jesus allows it to be subtle, mysterious, and to bring my kingdom to the arts. Bring my kingdom to the celebrity culture. Bring my kingdom to the finance culture. Bring my kingdom to the business culture. Infiltrate like yeast. Plant a tiny seed in your place of work. They they, they will totally underestimate the the little seed of who you are. Walking in there going, (laughs) they don't know. I'm going to grow big. And this whole workplace is going to land in the branches of the kingdom and be blessed by it and not even know it. That's what Jesus told us to do. Luke 17 says the kingdom of God cannot be observed. You won't, you won't spot it. You can't say here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is just among you. Just among you. When you walk into work, the kingdom of God is among them and creating a more powerful change than we'll ever realize. You are powerful. We prayed about this just a few weeks ago. I want you to understand every single one of you is a missionary every single one of you is carrying the yeast of the kingdom of God to your school or workplace. Now, forget others underestimating it. How about you and I underestimating the little things that you do? But who you are is incredibly powerful. Amen? Um, Here's a big big picture piece. Work, Work with me on this. So what is Jesus doing right now? Well, Number one, he's praying for you. That's good, isn't it? I mean, Jesus has got a very good prayer life. He's resurrected, he's powerful, and the Bible says he's praying for you. I quite like that, anybody else? 
But Hebrews 10 says this, listen to this. The verses won't come up, just just listen to me, you'll catch it. Um, But when this priest, talking of Jesus, Hebrews 10 verse 12, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, that's his death on the cross for our sins. It says he sat down at the right hand of God and since that time he waits. Jesus is waiting, everybody say waiting. Jesus is praying for you, but he's also waiting. It says he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. This is an interesting concept. Now, at the end of Matthew, Jesus said this phrase, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Ephesians 1 says that God has placed all things under his feet. So you've got this tension. It says he's waiting for his enemies to become his footstool. But also in scripture, it kind of says he's already over it all and he's already defeated it all. Then Hebrews 2 just gives us, it gives us that wonderful tension and brings it together. Listen to this. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. But listen to this phrase. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. In other words, it is legally, Jesus is Lord of the world and King of the world and the saviour of all. And yet Hebrews has his little hint, but we do not see it like that. We still see governments in a mess and workplaces in a mess and societies in a mess and business in a mess and finances. Anybody notice a mess out there? All I've got to do is say Brexit. <laughs> right, the world's in a mess. It says, but we, we do not see everything subject to him. So Jesus is, he's earned the authority to rule. And then it says he's waiting while his enemies are made his footstool. You catch that? Now, look at the end of the Bible. Let me read this verse to you. Where is it? Come on, appear. Here we are. It's Revelation eleven fifteen. if you're a note taker. Just listen to this. It says, and the seventh angel sounded. Remember, it's full of pictures, this. The seventh angel uh, sounded a trumpet. Uh, the s- seventh is a number of completion or perfection in the Bible. In other words, when you get to seven, you're getting to completion. And listen, the seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven. Listen to this phrase, saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Shall I say it again? I want you to know the big picture. It's too grand for us, I know in this room, but let's take it in anyway. Here's the end game. One day when things are at completion, we will say the kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our God and he shall reign forever and ever. So he's waiting and our job is go proclaim the kingdom. I feel as though we are walking into the classroom and we're proclaiming the kingdom of God and bringing the kingdom of God. And what is our job? It is to pick up a classroom and take it to the throne of Jesus and say, Jesus, I've brought you a classroom for your kingdom to reign over. Maybe some of you can pick up a school and say, Jesus, I bring you a school. Maybe some of you can pick up an area of the arts. Pick it up and say, Jesus, I've brought you the kingdom of the arts, at least in an area or a sphere for you to rule over. And we are laying all the things that he has earned at his feet and we're giving him medicine and we're giving him education and we give him government and we give him our streets and we give him our families. We give him our homes and we give him all of our spheres of influence and we lay it down at his feet. This is the thing that's going on in the world right now. He has earned it. 
and we are there to proclaim the kingdom of God and say, Jesus, here's a, an Asian nation that doesn't know it yet, but they're calling me the minister of righteousness. I'm bringing your kingdom to an entire nation. And the thing that I've spotted that God is doing among us is outpourings, wonderful. Transformed lives, fantastic. Miracles and healings, absolutely. Salvations, my favorite, if I'm honest, I can't help it. But then if you see what the tide is doing and not just the waves, you will see that God is beginning to push us, even as a church family in Hull and Goul and Driffield and all the other places where we meet, you will find that God is pushing us into society. And if I was to go through the stories of what's happening right now about how revived members are, are changing laws for nations and changing adoption law and, and areas to do with sex trafficking and areas to do with education, doors are opening up. And even over the next few weeks, you'll probably hear some of those stories as we share about this. But something is happening as God says, okay, wonderful, have an outpouring, worship me, enjoy my presence, be saved and healed. But here's what the tide of the kingdom is doing. Head out into the world and transform it. Get Get placed into governments. Get placed into areas of business. Get into influence. Why? Because I want you to be yeast that works into the dough. I want you to be a tree that all of Hull can come and land in. Come on, somebody. I want you to be a net that will place down over a region so without even knowing it, they become subjects of the kingdom even before they're saved. Wow. Well, I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning. I have to be honest with myself. Nice to be in this Methodist church. <laughs> Some of you are involved in local government. Some of you in health. We can't tell all the stories. Some are too sensitive. The influence in education that some of you are having is incredible. Um, when I even think of my, my network of friends, so these are just people that I personally know. I've never had more friends in parliament than now. There has never been this many Christians in Parliament in modern history as now. Something's going on, is it not? There are opportunities. Um, Roma, who some of you will know, our, our, our singer friend, she started the Melbourne Gospel Choir and, and has been in rooms leading A-list celebrities to the Lord. This is the kingdom of God coming to the arts. And, and she was talking to a friend, a millionaire friend who often helps her with some of her projects and that. And she felt God say, don't ask him for money. I want you to do something for him this time. What shall I do? And uh, so in the end, they worked out, well, should we come and do a little house concert for you and your friends? your millionaire, billionaire friends. And uh, th th this millionaire was like, yeah, fantastic. And she was thinking, well, we might do it in six months. He, r he rang up something like a week later saying, so are you coming? This Saturday, I've got all the guys to come. What, this Saturday? So she scrabbles together a little band and they head off to this mansion of this millionaire and set up their stuff and then, and then began to, began to sing and do a little concert, but then began to deliver prophetic words to this room full of millionaires and billionaires as they cried, as the presence of God touched them and they realized God knew knew them by name and knew who they were. That's the kingdom of God coming. This is what we're here to be doing. Amen? Um, uh, some of you are aware that 
uh, in California last year, there were very bad fires, were there not? And, and Dano's church, who you will know, have done things like help the FBI find some missing children and things like that, using the prophetic gift. Okay, God, where is this child? And, and they begin to write down what they believe God's saying. And FBI said, well, we've checked that address once, but we'll go back again. Within 48 hours, they found two children. Um, but, but now the latest one is we're asking God to create a prediction system for wildfires. And we're working with the fire service to do that. Somebody say, wow. Somebody say it backwards. See, now we can build our purity castles and have outpouring after outpouring and healings and salvations and all that's good. And that's usually where churches stop. But what Jesus preached was kingdom come. Throw a net out and have it land on government and medicine and media and education. Have it land on society and transform the very atmosphere. The result will be that you'll find people get saved so much easier because they know we can feel the kingdom of heaven within you transforming the place where we work. So let me end by sharing with you four things that we are doing. Okay, four things that we're doing and that I want you to think as you head out into your workplace, as you head out into your home and your streets and your neighbours and your families this week, as you head into your schools and the universities and all your places of influence, I want you to think this is what God has us doing. Number one, he wants you to infect that place like yeast. Go and infect it. You're a little bit of life and yes, you are going to be underestimated, but that's perfect because they won't know you're coming. A little bit of use could transform a culture. I remember I had four jobs before I went into the ministry. My last job was in a transport office. I, I ran a, 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 a haulage, um, a set of haulage uh, lorries, whatever you want to call it. I can't remember what the word is, but anyway. So, so it was in this office with about 25 other people. And, I, and I, I turned up there, I would have been 19, 20 years old, something like that. And, and I, I turned up to work on my first week and it's a classic transport haulage office. There's pinups everywhere. Okay, so there, there was these calendars up everywhere. And, and so, you know, day one, did day one, day two, did, did day two. By day three, they'd worked out I was a Christian and kind of the, the stuff that I did. And we're, we're chatting about it. And there's a little cluster at the end of the office. And they, oh, so, so what do you think about the pinups and all that? And I was, you know, oh, well, lovely. Um, very good. And, 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 and it's, have you ever, sometimes just stuff comes out of your mouth that you go, that's clever. I said, I don't mind it at all, guys. If your wives are really not that satisfying to you and you need that, leave them up by all means. They were gone by the next day. Tiny little bit of yeast, just nudging the kingdom, nudging the kingdom, bringing the kingdom. And can you imagine if you're there for, for one year, two years, 15, 20 years, the adjustments that you can bring, go and infect with a holistic, wholesome sense of the kingdom of God. Amen? The second one is protect. You know that this city is protected by the righteous. Think about Abraham. Abraham and, and, and God are chatting because God is about to wipe out Sodom and, and, and because of all their sin. And Abraham turns to God and says, God, but if there's 50 righteous people in that place, will, will you have mercy on them? God said, no, I won't strike them down. If there's 50 righteous among all of them, I won't strike them down. So Moses, uh, no, Abraham, whichever one it is. Abraham's like, well, what if there's 40? And no, I won't. What if there's 30? And he gets it right down to 10. God, what if there's just 10 good people in that city? Will you hold back your hand of judgment? God said, yeah, if there's just 10 good people in that city, 
Well, I tell you what, there's a lot more than 10 good people in this city. You didn't even know it, but you changed the very actions of heaven over a city just by being a believer, just by walking with God. We don't only infect, we protect. There's something of the kingdom of God where we are because you and I are here. Number three, we possess. Do you know, at the root of the word kingdom, if you go a a couple of root words down, you simply find the word to walk. And I love that God said to them, I will give you every place you set your feet. All you, to own it, all you've got to do is walk through it. As you walk through that workplace, own it. As you walk through that school, own it. If you get your righteous feet on soil, you have a right to bring the love, the kingdom, the mercy, the grace, the kindness of God to that place. And you can say, God, I've walked there. Because you kind of think, well, what, what gives me the right to place something at God's feet? The fact that you were there. Pick it up and say, God, I don't even understand this prayer, but I'm giving you this classroom. I'm giving you this office. And I know I've only got certain influence, but take this little piece of yeast and transform this atmosphere, I pray. Because I want this to be a kingdom that is at your footstool in Jesus' name. Anybody get anything from that? Number four, collect. B, don't just protect, don't just infect, don't just possess, collect. Be the net that draws people in to the kingdom. If the kingdom of God can lay over a workplace, as you walk in tomorrow, pray, God, your kingdom come. God, your kingdom come. Yes, you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. But even more important, your kingdom will infect this land. Bless, it's a good infection. We'll bless this land with kindness and love and mercy and grace and we'll push back wrong laws and we'll push the right people into places of authority that the kingdom of God can come in our land. We are here, Revive, and every other church in this region to bring the kingdom of God in. That's what he wants us to do. Would you stand together with me in this place? Laura, would you just come and play the keyboard so we feel spiritual? That would be lovely. Would you stand in Ghoul and Driffield as well, wherever you are? There was a famous singer, very famous. He was thrown out of an Assemblies of God church. We're in Assemblies of God Church. Many, many years ago, when Christians were even more grumpy and judgmental than they are here and now. But this singer, he would gather A-list celebrities around his piano and sing songs about the Holy Spirit and they'd weep. He moved, I've seen documentaries of it. He moved in words of knowledge. He he prayed for one of his backing vocalists when they got cancer and they were healed. Uh, But he was thrown out of church because I think sometimes we put too much weight on thinking we're building castles of purity instead of a coming kingdom. And actually we lose some of our best people because they don't look like nice little Christians. Come on, somebody here. (laughs) His name was Elvis Presley. When he would sing, how great thou art, and he'd see the banners, Elvis is king. There's concerts where he just stopped. No, Jesus is the king. There was a man touched by the kingdom of God who loved God but could find no expression for who he was in church. And church, because we think it's about castles of purity, didn't know what to do with him. 
can I say, I'm not entirely sure where we go with this message. I know we don't go into compromise and unholiness, but we do go into love and kindness. And we find a way to transform cities and regions and Ghoul and Driftfield and all the other places we touch. And say, God, we won't look at someone and just because he doesn't quite sing what like we'd like or wiggles his, hip and his hips in an inappropriate manner. church has done some horrendous things on the back of genuinely trying to stay pure and holy and believing that it's what God wants but Jesus preached let my kingdom come let my love come to your city not just your church buildings let my grace flood your governments and media and the arts and medicine not just church performances let my kingdom come